That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient-focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high-quality, naturopathic doctor-designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Okay, welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. Got my sidekick, Dr. Michelle here. It's Dr. Dave. Michelle, what's going on? Hey Dave, I'm I'm good. I'm good. It's been it's been quite the wild week. Um uh-huh. for many reasons as I sit here drinking my heavy jar of electrolytes cuz I also did another gallbladder flush and I need to hydrate. So there's yes. been a lot of purging this week. Lots of purging metaphorically, yes. energetically, politically, <laughs> and in my colon. <laughs> straight to the point there's half the talk we're going to talk about michelle's poop which had stones in it um by design by design that's that's pretty cool um so we'll talk about that and then i want to talk about just just briefly talk about a couple quick hits for my um organ du jour which is the (gasps) stomach (laughs) the estomac for the french people. oh my god i I love i love the stomach and um, I'm glad we're talking about it because I feel like, man, the digestive system as a system and all of its moving parts are so incredible how they work together. But then when you just like really focus on one organ system, it kind of blows your mind. Like for me right now, my love affair is liver gallbladder and you're yeah. having a love affair with a stomach. And I, yeah. Um, but I, I very much respect and appreciate the stomach. So I'm interested to pick your brain about that one too. We're talking about our love affairs. It's getting pretty hot. Getting um, hot and heavy. <laughs> getting hot and heavy. I like that stomach. You like that gallbladder. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I I'm so I love the liver gallbladder too. I mean, let's group these as upper GI structures, which means they're heavily uh innervated by vagus nerve, right? Everything up way up there is vagal. So, like when we're talking about stomach and liver gallbladder, we're talking about it's hard not to talk about some vagal symptoms that people can get, right? You can get your flushing, your sweating, your sort of uh, your 
orthostatic sort of hypotension and all that. So very interesting stuff that creeps into, I think, a lot of chronic conditions, right? When people say I get this flushing or my hands sweat or all this yeah. other stuff. Um, yeah, I'm always thinking those upper GI structures. But let's, uh, why do you focus on the, why the gallbladder, not the liver? I mean, there's, oh, there's such buddies. It's, it's a, it's a, it's both. That's why I said okay. liver and gallbladder. It's, it's, okay. I don't really see them as differentiated. I see them as like two complementary pairings, right? Yeah. You can't have one without the other. And as much as we like to think that we can remove an organ and be like, yeah, you'll live, you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine, but you might not be great. And yes, you'll live, but you've also compromised a certain level of digestive function and detoxification function. So I think we I, could agree that you're probably, if you can keep it, most of the parts of the body are probably best kept um, in the body. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. I, I feel like... I started this with the liver and the gallbladder, but now I feel like I almost want to expand that to how do I save more appendixes? How do I save yeah. more tonsils and lymphoid tissue? I feel like mm -hmm. that is going to be coming down the road for me at some point in time too, because mm -hmm. as you just said, I think that if you are able to keep something that your body was made with by design, it has a purpose and we should try mm -hmm. to salvage that. Yeah. And I think I'm just going to come back at you with what you said earlier, which is as you get to focus more on your, you know, the organ du jour for us or our loves or whatever you want to call them, um, you, you realize how we know stuff, but the more you know, the more you know, you don't know. You see the, you see your little uh, data points, but then what you start to see as you really get to know something is the space between data points. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, like, wow, like I'm, I'm getting pretty fancy with my understanding of the stomach, but man, I don't know shit yet. I've just realized I don't Yeah, You know, it's, it's that same thing. We talk about this on the, on the show a lot, like how you, you probably think you know more when you don't know more. And, and then you get that wisdom paradox happening. And I think, I think, I think, I think so. That's happening with the, um, that's happening with the stomach for me. Same with you in the gallbladder. You've seen the spaces between things as, as well as knowing the things. That's it. I, I felt, it, it, I mean, I think we talked about this when I jumped on as still as a guest and I talked about the gallbladder with you in my newfound love affair, but it was feeling like there was in, 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 a, in order to connect the pieces of the puzzle for various conditions that I was seeing coming into practice. In addition to people's gallbladders being removed or being told they have stones or people having attacks whenever they digest fats. I'm like, this is, I, I seem to be attracting a lot of that. And I was like, there's something with the liver and the gallbladder that felt not, not just like an obvious piece in those like digestive issues, but also like a missing piece with connecting dots with other issues. Mm -hmm. And it's when you start to learn about the impact it has, it goes so far beyond just digestion. Mm -hmm. Um, it's pretty wild. Like I was reading the book and, you know, I know that the we, book meaning the, the book, the book of the, sorry, the, of the gentleman who created the liver gallbladder flesh that I, that I put into practice for the third time last night. Yeah. He was talking about the effects of stagnant function or stagnant flow or stagnant cellular health in the liver and the gallbladder and the flow of bile and its impact on so many, he relates it to so many different systems, right? Mm -hmm. Like your immune system, blood pressure, cholesterol, kidney function, calcium and bone strength, right? Like we forget that we need to have bile to 
absorb fat soluble vitamins. Yeah. And then that leaves us compromised for calcium absorption or calcium direction and use in the body. So, right. um, I just, it, it was, it's a really cool dive into that whole area and, it, well, yeah, and if it's, you it's layered, right? It's all layered. If you, yeah. Like if you don't focus on something like that, you might not, you might miss some sign. So you, you get to, um, you accumulate other signs and symptoms, uh, that you wouldn't know otherwise from a, a very sort of cursory overview of understanding. Um, like, like for me, like, I, like I've told people on the podcast, like whenever I hear any issues with swallowing, it's, it's almost always the stomach. It's almost always the stomach. And I've, I've seen that from real time touching people's stomach. Boom. Oh, I feel it in my throat. I feel it in my throat. It's like, well, now I know. And I, it's not something I don't, I don't remember learning that in school. And no. then um, other things with the stomach, like, um, oh God, there's so many, but like uh, that pain between the shoulder blades uh, that people get massage, they get, they get acupuncture, they get chiropractic, they get every kind of therapy, maybe helps for like a few hours and it comes back sort of feels like it's deep and it's hard to fix it's often upper gi structures like the stomach i never would I, again i don't remember learning that in school but as you focus no. on things you will see um the other sort of uh ripples or other sort of uh you know you become a whisperer a gallbladder whisperer that's a, a huge title <laughs> i mean i feel like i get it in school there's a lot to learn there's a lot to learn and we might've mm -hmm. learned some of these connections, but in the grand scheme of things, like sometimes that stuff gets lost in the mix when you're just like overwhelmed with 13 courses in a semester. Yeah. <laughs> but I, know. I don't think a lot of that stuff sticks and still you get into clinical practice and you start touching people's abdomen and start asking the right questions or learning to ask the right questions and seeing the more peculiar things and just trying new stuff. Like what I know now compared to a year ago, mm -hmm. I'm like, it's, it's totally, it's totally light years difference. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I, a part of me wants to like go into the vault of some of my old clients and be like, um, come see me because I've figured cracked the code on the thing that back then six years yeah. ago, I was insufficient in, and you know, so it's, it's a constant learning process and it, yeah. it just evolves as you, as you continue to work as a clinician and I love that about our practice is that there's always something that we can learn and grow with. And the, and most of the learning comes from patients, right? Totally. So yeah. thank you to all our patients. I've thought the exact same thing about old patients. Like I remember in my first few years of practice, like, look, I did all right. I was doing the best I could. Um, but I, I, I too want to write them and say, please come back. Like, let you know, me, give me let, another let chance. Me, yeah. Let me treat you more precisely and accurately. Um, the other, the other thing I'll, I'll put a little note in here for, uh, being boring as a naturopath. I'm very proud to be one of the most boring naturopaths. Um, because what I'm getting at is when, you know, sort of the signs and symptoms, say for you, gallbladder, mm. um, let's, let's make it not just about me. Let's make it about you. So you, you say <laughs> you're going to focus on your gallbladder. Um, what you will probably do, I would be, I would imagine is use things implement strategies that are uh, well known to help with the gallbladder either in the general sense but probably even more importantly like your clinical expertise tells you when I do this I expect this and what you expect might be signs and symptoms you learn about gallbladder but mm -hmm. it might be stuff that you know as a gallbladder whisperer um, and so that's that's why I 
I enjoy using simple things that have a known sort of effect um, when I'm treating something which, which I have, which for which I have a known sort of understanding of it. So that's why like something like psyllium is so wonderful to work with. Yeah. It's so damn boring, but yeah. I know what it does. You're basic, get, Dave. You're yeah, basic. I'm a basic bitch. <laughs> um, but that's okay. You know, that's okay. okay because I know, I know how it's good rather than being like, you know, old oh, squirrel, like, you know, something shiny. Oh, new, a new right. phytochemical. It's new phytochemical extract, EB372. It's been shown in one trial of, you know, 14 patients who were paid. You know, you know that's not, I'm, I'm going for grandma medicine first. It's, it's all that stuff is good and it has a relevance, but without that, without those basic foundational stuff, and we've talked about this, I feel like it's going to be a common thread throughout this podcast without that basic foundational stuff. None of those like fancy singular functional things are going to do a darn thing. Yeah. You might or, or they might do something, but they might, might not do lucky. it to the breadth that you would hope for, or it's short lived. Right. So, and I find myself recommending psyllium more again to, to, yeah. Your clients and being, and if they're like, well, I have Metamucil at home. I was like, cool, use it up. And then we'll switch it to the yeah, stuff exactly. that doesn't have food coloring and sugar in it. And it's all yeah. good. So you won't get diabetes as you try and fix your uh, constipation. Um, hey Dave, tell like me, tell me about your stomach stuff though. I'm curious. Like I want to, I, I want to know. <laughs> I don't, okay. it doesn't matter what the audience wants you to mean, know. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> you mean just the couple quick hits? We'll get, yeah, we'll get that. Yeah. Okay. I love, yeah. I'd love to hear. Okay couple quick hits. I've talked about uh, the OG of grandma medicines to me when I made another episode about it was demulcents. Yes. And I keep using them and I keep getting awesome results. And it's like psyllium. It's boring. It's so boring. Like literally you're just putting like soft, sludgy, soothing demulcents down the tubes. I, I'm trying to think of people who have not had some benefit when I know there's some irritation in the stomach, I, I think everyone gets some benefit from, from a demulcent, whether yeah. it's deglycerizinated licorice, or uh, I use a, I use a product called tummy soothers. Hmm. Um, and they're, uh, they have uh, slippery elm and some essential oils in them. Nice. And they work so great. They are so reliably helpful for anyone with a kind of stomach issue. Um, I'm actually, and you're almost, talking about stomach proper, the organ yeah, or just exactly. any GI. Okay. No, you're stomach right. Proper. Yeah. It's best to be precise with your words. It's uh, that's what I'm talking about mm -hmm. is the stomach proper. And then, uh, because, because the, the one product has the essential oils, I, I believe some of them are, they act as carminatives and they sort of push gas through, they help with gas and, and right. I think motility. Uh, but the main thing I'm using it for is the slippery element. In it. And I, I cannot emphasize enough to you know practitioners to not don't overlook this 80s supplement or whatever it's an old it's an old 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 supplement that, that maybe we've forgotten about or if you're a listener who's just got um you know heartburn or, or GERD or indigestion or whatever you want to call your your issues with the stomach proper yeah it's so safe it is yeah. so safe it's so so basically they're all inexpensive too and it's hard to go wrong with soothing irritated tissues in the gut there. Agreed. Are you typically a fan of chewables, powders, capsules, or whatever your clients can get a handle of? Because I feel like if it's esophageal and up and stomach, I like something that's more chewable, like a chewable DGL. So it's a little yeah. bit more direct. 
contact yeah. with the tissues, but I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one though. There's been, I've had a couple of people. So I, I use, uh, uh, some DGL tablets, which have, you know, some of those fake sweeteners and stuff like yeah. uh, monk fruit or, or ma- malatol or xylitol. Yeah. Or, some, yeah. some, uh, some sugar, um, yeah. like a, like a, uh, alcohol sugar and stevia probably just so the compliance is good. And so for most people, that's okay. But you, you know, you'll see some people and a lot of people with very sensitive stomach stomachs, ironically, are sensitive to very, uh, a, a lot of things and, and including those. So I've had probably two people that were, um, sensitive to the DGL and we had to do something different because I think there was, I think it was the sugars or, or some sweetener that ah. irritated them. Yeah. Interesting. So, so that's something to be aware of. Like, yeah. especially as, as I said, I get to know the stomach better. I see people with stomach issues have more sensitivities, more allergy type things. Like think yeah. of all the lymphatics, throat. I mean, they're, stomach's the first thing when things go down. So of course you're going to have uh, immune system like uh, ready, ready for the new stuff coming into the system, right? So I do see a lot of uh, sort of allergic people you will with mm. uh, stomach proper issues so mm. i think i've had two people where they had issues with the dgl that had all the stevia and monk fruit and yeah that. i like shout out to our sponsor i like cytomatrix uh, gi soothe because it's the it's the trifecta it's the marshmallow root slippery elm and dgl yeah yeah those are but it's, it's encapsulated so if you're trying to so i i, I still find it's helpful I mean, like, even if it's stomach, the, the capsule will get broken down with stomach acid. Um, but if it's a throat related thing, I try to, I definitely try to get something that's going to be a chewable if they can handle it. Or if that's all I have, then I'm like better than nothing. But the GI well, Soothe has actually been very helpful for some people, my clients more recently too. And it was, we weren't, we weren't able to get the tests done right away to check out the microbial issues. I was giving them like diarrhea and burning and this and that. And I just threw them some GI Soothe and stay hydrated. And they're like, yeah, things are a little bit better already. I'm like, yeah. great. <laughs> you know what? It's, it, that's a great, that's such a great combination. Those are the, you know, those are the best herbs that we know of, I guess, Yeah. in terms of this uh, demulcent, which means to caress. Um, I love that. that. That is, that is like a great combination there. I, I might actually use it more. Um, now, you know, we talked about how the esophagus, if it's irritated in the throat, it's nice maybe to have something soothing on the way down. Um, but maybe this would help if I'm a little bit more patient, maybe I could, I could prescribe this and, and it would have a, a sort of retrograde effect going up soothing. Well, I imagine if you put out the fires down below, things will re- begin to balance yeah. out a little bit more too. I think you're right. Uh, I'm willing to experiment with that. Yeah. I'll try and, that. I, and I like that it's simple because there's a lot of GI gut healing powders and they're fantastic for lots of reasons, but some of them are very complex. And I've had certain people who have been on anti-seizure yeah. medication and I can't get them glutamine and that's glutamine's in all at the core of all those GI yeah, products. Yeah. So I've given them GI Soothe and they do really well on it. Right. So it's been nice because it doesn't have like flavor, sugars, any, any That's additives. the beauty of simplicity. And I, I, I try to get at that with that concept with people too. Yeah. Like that's a simple formula that, that this GI soothe is a pretty simple formula. Um, and if you, the good, see, that's the other, what I was saying, when you know how things work, this is a soothing, this is GI soothe. Okay. So literally in the name guys. Yeah, exactly. Like that's why I like my tummy soothers too. Like they literally soothe. So 
if if they don't work, it's probably not irritated tissues on like endothelial t- tissues of of hollow tubes. It's probably not, and and it's nice to know how things work so that when you get a good result, you know probably what's happening. When you have a nil result, then you also. But know, I feel but... like there's no harm, no foul when you do something like this either, right? If well, that's it's the not beauty the right of demos. I didn't it... get that across. I don't think. Yeah. Did I no, get that across? I think, I think you were coming to that conclusion okay. to say that, and in in the sense that even if it doesn't fully aid the desired effect, you're probably still getting some benefit from that because it still improves like quality of your bowel movements. And it could be soothing things deeper in the intestinal tract that are probably irritated. You just haven't gotten rid of the irritant yet. Exactly. So yeah, I have a guy with like a mild kind of colitis and all we, I think one of the only things we did was like a Mediherb slippery elm higher dose at the first. And now he just takes slippery elm and, and he, he feels like that's been the most important thing. Just a demulcent. So, so simple. So simple. So simple. Um, oh, good. You had another, another one for another gem for stomach. Yeah. I might've let some of it, uh, squeak out, uh, at a previous, uh, chat we had was that, and that was about a homeopathic remedy. Um, was Dr. Taylor Bean, I think. Was it? I yeah, that's so. right. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, the remedy, please, please, please go listen to those episodes for anyone who hasn't. They're fantastic. She's straight fire. Yeah. You <laughs> need some GI, GI soothe after listening to her. She's so, fire. um, yeah. So, uh, Robinia pseudoacacia is, is the, uh, plant, um, remedy that I, that I use in a 30 C potency. Um, I don't use that many different remedies on a daily basis, uh, in clinical practice. I use some, I'm into reliable and reproducible results. Cause when someone comes to me, I want to give them a result. They pay me money and I take pride in getting a result. Um, sure, it's nice to go through the process, yada, 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 but I also want results. So right. I don't use that many different remedies. When someone has any kind of uh, stomach issue with a feel, I mean, it, it could be hyperacidity in terms of its symptomatology, or as you know, it's often hypoacidity uh, because you can have too little or too much acid in different parts of the stomach results in different symptomatology, which is kind of crazy. And I hope to know more about it. whoa wind it back um you can have too much and too little in the stomach like at the same time in different different parts parts. yeah so uh like like it's one big sack though right like that's interesting to me yeah so i mean what maybe not just the stomach so remember i was i was giving you the the preamble before we started chatting and how the bottom of the esophagus okay yeah and the very top of the stomach which are like I mean, there's, they're, they're differentiated for sure, but they're very damn close. They respect, they react very differently to different levels of acidity. Mm, So to, yeah. And and in terms of their action on the, the sphincter, the cardiac sphincter. So yeah, I I'll, I'll I'll come back at, I'll come back at y'all another time with, you know, more depth of understanding of that. Um, but what I'm what I'm roughly saying is, if you know through physical exam signs and symptoms, blah blah blah, whatever you do to to whisper your way to the idea that you know the stomach has some issues with acidity or symptoms that are indicative thereof, you need to try this remedy called Robinia pseudoacacia. Um, and I'll tell you the story about why I know. But my my wife was pregnant with our extremely large, beautiful boy, and she was having like really bad stomach issues, like really bad reflux and, and stuff like that. And, uh, we tried 
multiple things. I was doing visceral manipulation, but then like, I'm like, I don't know if I should be doing this too much, moving mm. this little giant kid around in utero, even though we didn't know he was that giant back then. But, um, and also things move, right? I don't know where the hell, the, yeah. like where the hell is the stomach now? Oh my God, the things that a woman's body does when you're pregnant, is just like, it's, it's just short of a miracle. It so really I'm like, I don't amazing. even know where it is. I just, so I'm like, I don't even know where shit is anymore. Like, do I, am I on the, you know, I, am I on the stomach right now? Or is I'm on the bottom part of the uterus? I don't know. That thing grows like crazy. Yeah. So then we tried drugs. We did uh, drugs. We tried um, and stuff. We tried. Yeah, we tried that. And we tried, uh, what else did we try? Renitidine. Cause that one, the pharmacist at that point said renitidine was safe. Although that stuff changes like the, you know the wind changes yeah anyway so i i think we so, soon learned that it wasn't as safe as they said anyway whatever ranitidine uh h2 antagonist we didn't do anything and then i i was like well, she was you know my poor wife she's she probably was bitchy at some point and i'm getting mad at her because she's bitchy and she's sore and i'm being a jerk and so we get in a fight and then uh i said screw it and i drove to the clinic and i went and picked up this robinia which i remember i bought it in 2009, when we first started practicing, because Soroyal gave you, you could get all these remedies for half price or whatever when you first yeah. started. So I got it. And I was like, well, so I've had it forever. So it's expired. First of all, there's a first lesson. The homeopathics don't expire, but yeah. didn't hear that here. And um, so I said, screw it. I went and got it, drove back, gave it to her. I heard nothing. But Michelle, would you tell your man, if you're in a fight with him, that something he did was helpful or worked? Not right then. So I only learned the next day. You told like, me yesterday. Eventually I'll give him the credit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but in the moment I need to be the victor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So she won like she usually does anyway. Um, so she, she told me the next day, she said, yeah, that stuff worked. And I said, oh yeah, that's interesting. Thank you for telling me. And yeah, she said it worked awesome. in less than five minutes. Awesome. Yeah, Homeopathics so, for the win. Yeah, but not every use. And I, again, I'll be the first to say, I don't, I don't use them all the time for every single thing but if you got a good remedy that works so solid like this like my sorlax remedy i don't make any money on sorlax so i'm allowed to say that i sold it but if you got a remedy like sorlax or um or like this robinia that works better than drugs and better than your whatever evidence-based shit du jour why don't you get off your high horse and accept that homeopathy works sometimes you don't know more than 200 years of accumulated experience from clinicians who you know treated some crazy shit like medical yeah. doctors back then oh sepsis take this remedy some people got better a lot better than you know mercury poisoning and bloodletting at that time if you understand the context of homeopathy you might understand that these guys had some game and there's something to it so mm -hmm. if you can get off your whatever belief system for one millisecond try some robinia when you got some stomach issues i think 80 times out of 100 you'll be happy as larry boom I'm, robinia. I'm, I'm going to be ordering that for the clinic i'm going to yes. make a i need to make a note of that because i feel like it's inexpensive yes and like the demulcents if it doesn't create a if it doesn't create a shift in someone's symptoms it's also not going to create any harm and for like $8. And if it feels like it's indicated, it's worth a shot. How do you, know you go I mean? wrong? Yeah. How do you go wrong with a $10 uh, remedy that has yeah, some $8 might've been the decade ago price. It's probably more like 10 now. 
but yeah i mean it's hard to go wrong with that i'm just i'm floored at the fact that it works this well reproducibly i've got i've i've collected some data on it too i've got some patients that i get uh, i get them to tell me how they're doing um with it so i got like a a sort of uh yeah just like a, a survey that i get them to do before and after cool and yeah like a lot of people just coming off of uh medicines that end in prazole yeah so that's been very very cool have um, have you used it to re-stimulate gastric function for people who are more on a acid deficiency side? Yeah, because so, if it because because I, I think when you and I first chatted about this, you said that it's supposed to help on the tissue cell level for the stomach proper, more as like a holistic way rather than yeah. Yeah, driven yeah, I, in one specific direction only. A tropism is, I, I say it's got a tropism for the stomach. So to answer right. your question, I'll, I'll probably use it if I think there's hyper or hypo acidity, there's some mm-hmm. issue with acidity. So something is dysfunctional and it has a tropism, just like I use Actea for anything to do with the uterus and ovaries. Right. Anything. Actea, boom, I'm using it. Mm-hmm. I, it's 10 bucks again, and it has a, a corrective influence, although we don't know what the hell that is and how it works. I've seen it work to some degree way too many times with zero side effects for, for me to throw it away because of a belief system that doesn't seem to fit our current worldview. I feel like that's naturopathic medicine <laughs> yeah. as, as a nutshell, right? It's starting to get traction, but I feel like we've always had to fight to just be taken relevant or seriously and being like, our medicine actually helps. It's hard. Yeah, I mean... It's hard. But homeopathy, can't be good really, at everything. homeopathy I mean, really does get the shitty end of the it's stick. It's the though. redheaded stepchild of all of that. <laughs> it gets beat hard. It does. And, it does get it hard. And in some sense, I get why. I do. In some yeah. sense, I do. Like, we have to be okay with the criticism to some. There's like, I really feel like there's a kernel of truth to the criticism, but also don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I, I just looked at my, I've sold 137 Robinia in the last year. And people are getting it a lot. It's it's a really common prescription for me. Here's the thing, though. Just like we talked about, not the, the remedy, if it's not the right remedy, it's not going to work. But the same goes for pharmaceuticals. We can't forget yeah. about the fact that people try five different kinds of antidepressants and try it and then mix it with an anxiolytic. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. try so many different <laughs> kinds of blood pressure medications, yet yeah. they still have unwavering faith in the medical system. And yet they're allowed yeah. to have that trial and error period, but it feels like we're not like homeopathy is not given that, that same respect. No, it's, it's, it's not. And I, again, I'll say I kind of get why, cause you know, we, we go, okay, well with the, with the pharmaceutical approach, we have pharmacokinetics, we have pharmacology, we have this right. understanding of some things, but like, if you really read into things, like they don't, they don't know exactly how Tylenol works. And like, there's something that's really, really like, they don't, they're like, we think it works on that. Like doesn't, there's not a perfect explanation for everything. How about Viagra? You were trying to help people's hearts and a bunch of guys got hard ons. Like, yeah, you know, that, that was, that was, that was science. Yeah. Oh, we used it for this, but something else happened. Okay. Quick shift. There we that's go. It. Like, and if, um, and if we're really being honest, like humans only use a certain tiny percentage of our brain capacity. So like our ability to actually understand everything to its fullest and the complexity of life is extremely limited still. And is. that goes for medicine and naturopathic medicine. 
might not go for Dave Nelson. I'm going to talk to Dave. <laughs> from, <laughs> I want to talk to Dave Nelson about home and go, Dave, 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 what is going on here? Oh, um, so, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the story of two of the most common remedies I use for stomachs. And I think people uh, will get good benefit from them uh, with zero sort of side effects, unless you have extremely sensitive stomach to those sweeteners, like I said. Maybe there is something in the DGL itself, but I'm I'm thinking it's the, the sweeteners. Okay, yeah. enough about the stomach. Shift gears. Without the stomach, the liver and the gallbladder also would not work well, though. They wouldn't because of the linearity of the stomach and GI tract, which we've and, talked about. And whatever the stomach vomits out into the duodenum, it has to signal, it has to be a, a, a sufficient acidity to release yes. the signals of cholecystokinin and all these other regulating and signaling hormones to allow for the pancreas to function and squeeze out digestive enzymes and bicarbonate, yeah. as well as signaling your liver and your gallbladder to do their jobs. They secrete bile when food enters your, your duodenum so that the bile can help you digest fats and proteins. Yes. So it's, it's never in isolation. And there's a lot of those weirder nauseas or even acid reflux and GERD symptoms that are actually liver gallbladder issues, but can be mistaken for yeah, for sure. stomach proper issues too. I'll back right? you up so on that one any day. Yeah. 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 I'll back you up on that one any day. I've seen some very interesting reflux coming from, yeah, in your area. Yeah. 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 So, and you know, they're all, they're all within that same, they're all within proximity to each other. They're quite close. They're all that upper area. So, um, but yeah, liver gallbladder stuff has been cool. So since I did my gallbladder whisperer episode with you, feels like many moons ago, I was at the onset of my digging into this a little bit more in this particular area. That's and not all you dug into today. <laughs> I dug into a toilet today, guys. It's been <laughs> an ex it was a super sexy day. Um, and I've now completed the flush three times. And it's been a trip. It's been a trip. And I've now... I'm now at a point where I have been confident to know when to recommend this to clients and how to guide them through it. Um, and I've had a few people start doing them too. And I've had three, three people come back with responses. A few that I've prepped on being like, this is how we're going to start. Um, but we're going to have to focus on these organ systems eventually. And we're going to do a liver gallbladder flush. And they're like, what's that? So I kind of prepped them with the idea of it. And I said, we'll get there maybe a few months from now, we might have to do a few things first. Or, and I had one client who was so literally on Tuesday, he was so eager and so excited by the idea of the liver gallbladder flush. And he was like, can we start that today? I was like, not, nah, nah, we have to finish your first step first and then we'll get to that. But he was like, put me in coach. Like it, he, I, I appreciate his enthusiasm very much. But uh, yeah, my first. I love an enthusiastic patient. I, they really, yeah. they really help. They yeah. Really do. What really, I mean, I was getting a lot of people who were getting peculiar symptoms. And then I had this one client who she was working with the previous naturopath at, at my Etobicoke clinic and was referred to me because her digestive symptoms were much more astronomical and they had a management on some of the other struggles she was dealing with. So I took over the client the client case to work on her GI stuff. And it was like a, it was like a teeter totter of managing her acid reflux and GERD and SIBO 
IBS, major bloating, major discomfort symptoms. Mm -hmm. And if we focus too much on one to get some relief, the other one would start to flare. If we focus too much on the one. And then I was like, oh my God, you're on so many pills. Like, this is not okay. This is not the way I want to practice. And Mm -hmm. every time I do any of those things, whether it's working on H. pylori and or acid reflux or anything, there's always liver stuff in there because I Mm -hmm. realize how important it is. And at one point I was like, okay, I'm going to send you to my lifeblood because I just, I need to know, is there, is there a different direction of microbes we need to be focusing in? Is there something else that's having a compounding effect? And Mm -hmm. her liver was really congested still. And I was like, that's remarkable. Like you've been diligent with the liver stuff. And, uh, I convinced her to do a coffee enema because of me with the gallbladder flushes and poop scooping out a stone from the toilet and coffee enemas, it's basically on brand for me. Right. So, um, I had her do a coffee enema to help her liver flush because the coffee enemas aren't just about colon cleansing. It's about stimulating glutathione liver detoxification and relaxing the common bile ducts so that the liver can purge more effectively into the intestinal tract and detox and get rid of things. And she was on, she was game. This client is so game. I freaking love her. And, uh, she came back and she was like, my digestion's better. She's like, but dude, I passed a stone. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah. And then she, she, she created a circular effect between her index and her thumb. And I swear to God, it was like two and a half centimeters, you know, diameter or whatever. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my Lord, how did that come out of you? She's like, it was a little uncomfortable. And I was like, did you know you had stone? She's like, not at all. She's like, I talked to my dad and apparently my mom had a history of stones and had to get her gallbladder removed. And I was like, okay. So then I put her on stone crushing things, things to break them up and dissolve them with like naturopathic therapies. And then I asked her to get some DGL. And I think she has some licorice root already to help soothe things. And I said, take a bunch to soothe whatever got irritated, but she passed it like a champ. And then she was like, my digestion has felt so much better since passing that. And I was like, Ooh, to the point where we were able to bring down her stomach acid reflux, um, protocol. And we were able to like pare down her IBS protocol to the point she's not on any of those things anymore. And she did stone crushing and liver support, like bile, like lipotropic what's your, what's factors. Your stone, what's your stone crusher? Well, usually I just use a chunk of Piedra from AOR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll always add in some like- I thought magnesium. it was more for kidney, kidney stones. Is this no, also- it does both. Okay. It helps with both. Chunk of Piedra is good for both. Okay. Um, and then- and then lipotrophic factors. So like uh, LVGB yeah. complex from Designs for Health or ICOL Plus yeah. or ICOL from Genestra. So we have yeah. things to improve bioflow and bile production. So I had her on things like that and she did coffee enemas three weekends in a row. And she came back to me and she was like, okay, so after the second one, it felt like something shifted and I felt weird all week. And then when I did the third one, she pooped out something. She came in like looking petrified. She's like, I don't know what this bug was that came out of my bum, but she's like something wild looking parasite came out of me. And the minute it did, she's like, it felt like the balloon in my stomach deflated. And I was mm-hmm. like, what she, and she said, she looked it up and I can't remember what the bug was. Cause she couldn't remember either. And she said, they're supposed to be teeny, tiny, t- teeny, 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 tiny bugs. She's like, but this is the only thing that looked even closely similar to what came out. And mine was like, more than an inch big, like two inches big. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, not, just, but- not just mucus falling off or something like that. Cause I've, I've seen some of these uh, pictures of bugs that, yeah. that I've seen on like, um, what's that company that makes the um, microbe formulas and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, well, 
Are you sure those aren't just like a mucus? Like, because they look weird. Yeah. But without sending it away, it's it's hard to know. But you're pretty sure this was a. Some well, sort of I didn't get nasty... to see it. Okay. I didn't get to see it, and she said it, and she said she was able to find something that looked comparable. Right. And I'm just going to trust her. But at the end of the day, whatever yeah. it was, better out than immense, in whatever it is. <laughs> she got immense relief after it passed. Yeah. And I'm like, that's all that matters to me, yeah. right? Um, and uh, now I have her on a liver gallbladder flush and she did it once and she passed some more stones and she's she's legit just doing that now. She's not even focusing on any other digestive health stuff. She's just doing the flush and not dependent cool. on a million pills anymore, which is, in my opinion, really, really awesome. Because when you do the flush, it can also help you purge bacteria and parasites that do like to hide in the ducts of the bile in the liver of so the gallbladder weird. in the liver that can then bung up that function further. So weird. Cause I've, I've, I have a colleague who, whose client pooped out a huge worm and you can even see an egg in there when they did a flush. So weird. And it sounds really gross, but like better out than in man. So mm -hmm. that was interesting. Um, I, I, I'm excited because she's going to do them a few times in a row. So she's definitely passed some more. For me, my first time doing it, it didn't feel like I saw any stones. My second one, I don't know if I saw any stones either. But according to my interest in investigation into the liver gallbladder flush and going to the source and the guy who created it, he says it could take two to three runs before you actually purge things. And today was the day. This morning, there was a I felt very vindicated to see stones <laughs> for my efforts. I was like, finally, all this effort. Um, I mean, if funny. I if I did it today and I didn't see anything, then I would probably come to the conclusion that maybe I'm one of those few people who don't have stones in modern society. Um, and I'd be like, cool, I, I guess I've done something right these last few years, but now I've seen some and they were of all different sizes. Stones can be from the, like the head, the size of like a head of a pin to a golf ball, according to like this guy, I have not seen anything golf ball size, so I don't know, but mine were variable sizes green. And the largest one was maybe like the size of a pea, like a, like a pea from a pea in a pod. And, Which uh, you'd think yeah. would be big enough to cause some ruckus on the oh, for sure. body that um, opens up into the duodenum or duodenum, depending on no, how you say that. No irritation whatsoever as they mm -hmm. passed. Um, uh, well, he, I got a patient who's, who was asking me some, some questions about this gallbladder stones she has. And I, I said, how big are they? Like, in, in order to sort of tell you what to do, right. in my understanding of it, again, I'm yeah. not a whisperer of the gallbladder, but I, I thought I'd love to know how big they are first before I... I uh, tell you what to do. The one I wonder thing if they've done I... in cad cadavers. I wonder if they've done uh -huh. like dissection and I bet you they have. I'll... They they probably have like, like the book has pictures of gallbladders opened up, like filled with stones. Dave, it looks like a bag of marbles. It's actually unbelievable. Cool. Yeah. Cause the gallbladder can expand like four times its size. So you could just accumulate and accumulate. And fun fact, now that I've done more of my research too, into this, most people don't realize they have stones because they don't get calcified until they concentrate in the bile. And that's the only reason they show up on an ultrasound because they get hard and calcified. But most stones originate from the liver and are hiding all up in the ducts of the liver, the micro ducts and the many ducts of the liver. And they're never going to get calcified up there. They only get calcified as like the bile concentrates in the gallbladder. So 
unless you have an attack and, and I've had some people who have symptoms and they have to fight to get an ultrasound done from their medical doctors. And then they find stones and it's just kind of like, well, thanks for finally listening. But if, if you, if someone's not doing their due diligence and getting an ultrasound, there's a good chance you're not going to find them. But also if they're not actually in the gallbladder, but they're just up in the liver clogging biofunction, cellular health, detoxification, then you're still going to have a lot of health issues. Oh my so, God. I'm looking at a picture of human gallbladder stones. Insane. It's wild. Mine were tiny. And I was like, I was like, oh, they're so cute. Yeah. But this one's um, just full of it. Yeah. It's got it's lots wild. of tiny ones like pebbles. Yeah. Very, very interesting. One of my eliminations today, because the first few had only a handful in there and I was able to like, yes, I took a spoon and I shone a light on my toilet and I was like, I oh, think girl. I see something. So I shone a light and there were these green little floaties and I was like, Atta oh girl. man. So I scooped them out and cleaned them up with a tissue and they're on my Instagram. If anybody wants to see them, knock your socks off. And, uh, and then I was like, okay, I don't have to scoop anymore. I don't have enough for like the gram and for pictures and for evidence for my yeah. own sake. And then the next flush, I swear to God, there was like more than a hundred small stones in the, cool. in the, in the, in the bowl. And I was like, Whoa. So I'm definitely gonna do it again because if it took three to get this flush out there, there might be more that I need to just kind of purge and really set things straight. Um, I've got my partner doing it. He did it on the weekend and he was tripping after Atta his elimination. Um, so yeah. What, like, are you, is who are, let's be just clinicians again. And not that we never were, I just mean like in safety idea, like, are you, yeah. uh, is there someone you're not doing, you're going to not do this with is, is there like, if someone comes saying, I, Hey, I've got like five centimeter stones or what if they don't know the size, like, is there, what's your sort of cautionary notes maybe with the gallbladder? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I was taught, I haven't done anything with anyone extreme gallbladder stuff, but I right. had my colleague saying that some he's helped people who who their doctors were pushing for removal because of the volume and the, and the size of the stones. And he's helped them save their organs, right. right? A friend of mine, um, who works in natural health. And, um, so I feel like if you're doing it correctly, it might just be a matter of having to do something like a chunk of piedra, eat a diet that doesn't have high fats or proteins. So you're not overstimulating things so that when you do the right. flush, it could be concentrated and directive to flush things out because you have to use things to soften the stones. So as they pass, they're less irritating and you have to use things that open up and relax the common bile duct. So that again, the flow of these things out of your system is much easier as well. Now, um, you're not supposed to do them when you're pregnant. So that's a, that's an issue. Um, doing it for people who have diabetes only because the actual, like you can do it, but you might have to proceed with caution because the actual prep work, the five to six days prep leading up to the flush, you're eating a diet that doesn't have any protein or fat in it. So your blood sugar regulation could be a little bit more offset. Um, there are certain cautionaries like that. One that's come up for me. I don't remember it being in the book or in the handout that I've, I've, um, that I've, that I was given by my colleague and have adopted to make a, a write-up for, but kidney stones. I've had three people right now who have really severe health issues. And I know their gallbladder screaming to me. And then it's come out that they all have stones, but then they all have kidney stones too. And I'm like, Ooh, and one of them is like aggressive kidney stones. So my concern is 
Um, if we try to soften the stones in the gallbladder, will it also soften the kidney stones? If we use things to relax the common bile duct, will it also relax the kidney? And then will it get lodged somewhere? So I'm not proceeding with a flush for those particular clients because I need to make sure that if I can't help them with that, I'm doing it safely and effectively and very mindfully. And if I can't, then I have to find another way to support their gallbladder. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm wondering if uh, baking soda, I'm just, I'm just sort of spitballing here. So don't, no one take this as like whatever advice or anything, but I know uh, baking soda is very, very helpful for uh, dissolving stones, kidney because alkalinizing uh, systemic and and renal pH um, generally leads to uh, less crystal stone formation. So I wonder, does, does it help break down the stones? Cause my concern is like, I have a client that has two massive stones in each kidney. And mm-hmm. if they break down, I run the risk of them dislodging and moving and causing far more severe irritation. And that's my concern. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'd have a tricky to, one. Yeah. I'd have to look up my anatomy, but I think like generally it's, it's known that uh, bicarbonate and, and its use in chronic kidney disease okay. and possibly, uh, possibly used in uh, decreasing stone formation. I think it would okay. be uh, safe because all you're doing is creating an environment that's a little more alkaline. So it's just yeah. going to change like equilibrium of the biochemistry. I don't, I don't think it's going to like break anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that might be something Maybe we can, we can chat another time. Yeah, you know, I maybe yeah. just chat about uh, bicarbonate because I'm very intrigued recently about bicarbonate or alkaline salts, which is an old yeah. school, like yeah. old school treatment for a lot of stuff in German biological terrain, medicine, all that. I'm going to think about that too. Yeah. But like, I, I was like, the minute I saw people who had kidney stones too, I was like, ooh, yeah. I, can't ju- I can't just proceed at will, right? Yeah. That was a big thing because I was like, Oh, if I'm softening stones and opening up ducts, because I know magnesium, because I've helped someone with kidney stones before dissolve them with chanka piedra and a high dose of magnesium citrate, because the magnesium helps relax things so they could pass them. Mm-hmm. And then their second ultrasound, the stones were gone. And they were the doctors were like, what happened? You know, mm-hmm. but they weren't significant in size. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to, I don't know, I have to wrap my head around that one because I just don't want to cause any anxiety, any irritation, any, yeah, exactly. any consequence. Um, but there's, there's literally three clients right now that have this and I'm kind of like, Oh man, how do I, how do I move forward? But the bicarbonate's interesting. I'm going to have to look into that. I know my one client is she's had lithotripsy, uh, before and it's helped. So, but because of COVID there's been such limited ability to get appointments for those kinds of procedures. Um, so I'm hoping that if she can get that, then I can do all the supportive work and the flushing and the whatever. And that will be, I think, a huge game changer for her. But I think that at this point, because of the size and the, and the quantity that she has in her kidneys, that might be, be her careful. best option. Cool. Yeah. I like, yeah. I like, um, I like learning about the gallbladder from you. It's good. It's, uh, it's, I think because you can get it cut out and still function we yeah. don't give it enough of the, maybe the love that it, that it deserves. But the thing is, is here's the thing is a lot of people don't realize that yes, the liver makes bile, 
a certain amount of bile comes out straight out into the duodenum on its own for detoxification purposes, but majority of it goes into your gallbladder and it has to concentrate there. The constant, mm. like it pulls water out and it pulls non bile salts. So it removes those things and then it concentrates the bile salts so that when food enters with fats and protein into the digestive system, you have a far more potent digestive aid because of that concentration. And I think that's forgotten quickly mm -hmm. by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I think I took that for granted too, until I started doing my, you know, deeper legwork on this. Mm -hmm. yeah, you could say some similar stuff about the spleen too, right? Like, oh, yeah. you can live without it. Must Well, you know, it's probably, it's not there for no reason. That's it. Um, actually, someday maybe we'll talk about, it. I found some interesting, it's, it's not a ton of research, but some research linking the use of bicarbonate uh, to uh, a kind of shift from uh, TH1 to TH2 in the spleen <laughs> in oh. terms of like, yeah, very, very interesting TH1, TH2 sort of uh, immune shift. Um, right. So it, implicating its use in, in uh, autoimmunity, yeah, very, I mean, it's early yet. Just alkalizing the body heavily. So what's happening is when you alkalinize, then so you don't get something for nothing or or more maybe appropriately, like if you're going to give a negative ion, you got to give a, another one the other way or, you know, whatever. So what happens in the stomach is to maintain the, to maintain the interest intra stomach or intragastric pH level, you got to put a bicarbonate the other way. Uh, so as yeah. you make more acid in the stomach, you put more bicarbonate into, into systemic. So it's like a kind of stressor. It's possible the stressor of putting the bicarbonate in the body's got to make more acid. So what's it do? The bicarbonate in a sense goes boom, boom and out. So you are getting systemic bicarbonate via uh, the reaction of the stomach. And then there's this possible link through mesothelium uh, between the stomach and the spleen because the spleen and stomach are attached. Don't, we don't learn that in school. I don't think, but I, I've had no, to. I don't think I, I don't think I really connected those yeah them. gastrosplenic ligament and there's a whole bunch of mesothelium that sort of connects them so there's maybe a come some uh some link between uh alkalinizing the stomach leading to a shift in uh immune tolerance or th1 th2 tolerance in the spleen macrophage uh differentiation that's a pretty nerdy thing but uh and it's very it's very early like i've only seen a couple of researchers looking into it because i mean no one's right. going to make any money on bicarbonate um but yeah that's you know how follow the money trail that follow the science the money trail. yeah the science will be weaker when there's no money to be made but that's that's some interesting um research that because you know i wouldn't be interested in it if if there wasn't like the, those bi german biological terrain people you know so who cool. It's so neat. And they, what do they recommend to almost everyone? They're like alkaline salts, you know, know. it's yeah. like just part of a protocol often. So I'm like, well, they're probably not doing that for no reason. And I'm not saying it's probably always necessary, but they're, I can pretty much guarantee they're not doing it for no reason. Doesn't wouldn't exist still for no reason. So no, I'm trying no, to link that not. with the, with the science and the clinical outcomes and stuff. So we'll see. I'll, I'll, maybe we'll come back around to that at another time. I mean, time. I think there's always something about making sure that your body's acid-base balance is always on check because if we're constantly stressing our body's ability to, to, if we're pushing it in an acidic side, then your blood is constantly fighting against that. And what's its biggest resource of like, of like 
minerals are bones. Then we wonder why everyone has osteoporosis and stuff. And then like, then we talked about the gallbladder and then they're probably not absorbing the fat soluble vitamins. So Mm -hmm. I I, I just feel like that acid-based balance is so key Mm -hmm. um, for our survival. And there's so much that puts the pressure on our bodies that constantly like pushes us to more of an acidic side. Mm -hmm. And then we wonder we're challenged with our health in so many ways. It gets poo-pooed. The the acid base thing gets poo-pooed. And again, probably for good reason, because maybe it's not for everyone, but it it's not there for nothing. And, uh, I think Dave Nelson is looking into a little bit on acid base balance and nice. Yeah. It's very like even, you know, proton pump inhibitors would stop that, that, uh, shunting of, uh, proton for bicarbonate. I believe they work on that. Um, there's, there's a correlation with proton pump inhibitors uh, and an osteoporosis, which yeah. we also know if your dietary acid load is too high, osteoporosis. So there's yeah. there's too many links there to, to say that it's insignificant. Um, but I hope we get a little closer to knowing maybe a little bit more what's going on. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. That was a fun conversation. I'm glad, you know, and like, I mean, having guests is great, but I think that you and I also just have really interesting conversations because even though we align with a lot of our philosophies and what in our deep love of poop and digestion, I feel like we also have, we diversify with the crumbs in terms of our approaches. And it's nice to have like nice tete-a-tete about these things, you know? Oh yeah. You know, stuff I don't know. It's good. And I love having a friend. I love having a friend who digs in their poop to get some stones. Like, takes all. I'm your sorts. girl, guys. I'm your girl. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, okay so we're, I think we're gonna wrap it up for this one. But I feel like that's a good episode. I think there's some good gold nuggets in here for some people. Nuggets. There's some some green nuggets. This is my there's case from this morning. <laughs> yeah, there's some good green nuggets in this. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll we'll catch up with you again next week. See ya. See ya. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada.